we got our, our, our two fabulous, amazing artists here uh, uh, sitting uh, on the, on the, in their nice chairs. <laughs> Uh, like, like good, good, like good boys. Uh, let's hear it from. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not told I'm a good boy in enough interviews. That's really what I'm getting. I, the end. I want, I, I want the interviewer to call intro. me a good boy. <laughs> I'm glad. Like, look it up. <laughs> All right. I think we should just like jump straight into it okay. we've been like binging rolfez content for the past like few hours right now getting ready for this we're a little feeling fucked okay? up but it's fine yeah, yeah. okay good. Oh, yeah. We're, we're perfectly fucked up for this actually yeah so um you saw my long ass scatterbrained email about this um by the way i'm just gonna i'm gonna say we're we've begun recording um, mm -hmm. and all that. But um, yeah, I sent this email okay. and for context, I'm asking about all these big questions in life because uh, I just graduated art college um, and I'm deciding on where to go in life and stuff like that. And uh, I'm studying interactive arts. I've kind of referenced your guys' work in my stuff. Um, when uh, making the works and like pitching it to my professors and they're being like, I don't understand, but keep going. Uh, so like the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the fourth, first question is like, I just, uh, I just saw an interview with you talking about like community and this like wonderful, like uh, uh, the Sonic arts talk where you're talking uh, about, um, sure. yeah, just every like, um, like fossil you've left on the internet I'm just looking at, but um, uh, where you were talking about community and um, uh, making community as artists and stuff. And I appreciated how like, like you weren't, you weren't afraid to go like pretty political and ethical with it in, in some cases. So I just want to open the floor with that. Um, let me, let me say a more direct question. Uh, <laughs> If you want to, we can free associate here. That's usually yeah. how, like, when we when Andy and I do like lectures or talks or stuff, it's just it's structured. But then we we just kind of follow the tangent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me let me let me start off with something easy to like jumpstart it. Like, yeah. I guess put yourself in your your guys' noggins about like when you like first graduated or like you're you're going into the world as artists. Like, what was the initial? Um, how did you guys find community eventually? Like, what what was the thought process in doing so? I love like, how depressingly <laughs> stated it. Of like, how did you find? How do you find people? No, it's true. I mean, yeah. I, can, I mean, so for me at least, uh, I graduated and I was kind of. I went to the school of arts in Chicago for a couple of years. Um, yeah, and that is one of the more conceptual, like bourgeois art arts institutions or whatever. And with that, you there is an assumption or like an un not even that unspoken, a kind of a promise that, that once you graduate, like, you know, then you're on to gallery stardom, or at least that there's any sort, sort of support network after that. Yep. It was a, a, absolutely not the case. And I've heard from students since who more or less say that's still the, still the situation. They mm -hmm. more or less teach you how to stay within academia. And that's basically it. Like, okay, well, yeah. okay go get MFA, go do whatever. Um, yeah. Come teach was, here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for me, it was, 
um, sh- Chicago is weird in its own way for like, for example, when I graduated, the, the, the glitch art scene was really popping off and like, that's where the, the worldwide there was like glitch was happening, data moshing, circuit bending stuff. But Chicago is really the, an epicenter of a lot of that stuff. But none of those people actually hung out in person. Like they were all in Chicago, but not seeing each other in person. Okay. So largely, and I think to, to a large extent, it's kind of continued this way for for me and Andy. It's it's expanded quite a bit since then, but um, music scenes primarily was was for me like going to shows, doing the, getting it like playing them or uh, helping them helping out in some sort of capacity, and then like ending up doing the flyers, and then doing you know a, a doing a music video, doing like and that kind of thing, you know, for better or worse the music industry is more of a consistently self-funded or not self-funded, but like it's a, it's an actual like industry. Uh, And then for a lot of art stuff, you know, this is all in flux, but there's less of that and it's a little bit more scattered and it's more built into this like permalance structure. So anyway, um, it's music communities have been largely the, the entry point for myself, Andy, I I had slightly different path. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, when I left school, I did not, I mean, I, I left University of North Texas, did not really have that much of community, especially because I came out of it, of my painting degrees, like, like the, like, not really connected that much with my, like, fellow artists, like, so, yeah, friends, like, stay connected, I still have lifelong friends there, but, like, mm-hmm. not really feeling like I, I wrung as much as I could out from that scene. Like and I, I worked at a gallery, I had friends there, but just like was not satisfied. And so I went to New York where Sam was at. And I started working at a fashion company. Um, kind of sort of found a community there through work. Yeah. Um, that process went out. Like we started, I started doing full time for Team Rolfus and then had like a sort of community through like fellow directors and independent artists, um, just like kind of being in contact with. And then, like, over the pandemic, I got more into just, like, a Discord community of, like, fellow digital artists yep. um, through a friend at the time and, like, getting to know people there. And that was, like, a really nice and wholesome community. And then uh, moving on from that, I kind of found myself now, nowadays, kind of, like, in another community, which is ironically still also back to being adjacent to music. It's, like, the live code community here in New York and, like, the creative technologists here um like you were, we have like shows and like places to go to like bind together in person um which has been great especially after the pandemic and like everything splitting apart because like that was really hard like kind of relying on discord like you'd have connection there but, like yeah wouldn't feel like that solid and then you solidify once you're in, in person and so like i kind of had felt like i've gone through uh, a few communities like bopping here and there and now at this current one, it's feeling it's feeling really nice and and solid and like kind of have having a nice growth space. So I'd say it's it's been a it's been a seven year long process of finding of uh yeah like going through various communities and finding new paths and new truths in in each one. Yeah, I mean like I I I should say like within the the music communities that I was part of, like I made a lot of good friends in that world, and Andy and I did in the fashion world and things like that. But a lot of times those were seen people, like they're friends, but it's like I'm not, they're not at my apartment. Like I see them at all the shows. We know you know we know each other pretty well. We catch up on stuff, but that's not the same level of community um, that I've run into recently. Just out of kind of out of happenstance, like it came through being added to like uh kind of like 
edgelordy lefty meme group chat and then i just and then that just ha- like was forced foisted upon me like friendship is foisted upon me yeah. here is zero space that we're making more concerted effort to actually like provide irl places for people to like to to an artist program for a community build yeah and like resources and stuff like that but it always ends up needing to be in my experience needing to be uh grounded in the irl no matter how digital media it is but again i don't know it's it's not there's no one size fits all strategy for finding community it's kind of just like going out to stuff like find just and then just like trying to fake being uh uh outgoing and just (laughs) talking to people like talking to as many people and that's also incidentally how you network how you get jobs how you do all that stuff is just being active and interested in a in a scene um and not a an asshole largely Mm. so hard not to be an asshole though like sometimes i don't know i mean (laughs) or if you're an asshole like you have to make up for it by by uh being charming or something i don't know i think i think yeah i don't know yeah there's a ratio you gotta hit don't be yeah. an actively like harmful person i guess no, like there are plenty yeah. i mean right. my, uh, my my friend group this the aforementioned franker bar are all s- sincere assholes but they're <laughs> but they love each other so you know it kind of works out mm-hmm. the love is very insular as well yeah, yeah it ends up being a, <clears throat> a problem when you try and plug that into other friend groups who are not yeah. so uh poisoned, but, <laughs> yeah the, yeah. the crisscross uh crossover episodes don't work out so great no, not really. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So it's, it's it's a trial and error process, but uh, but very much just like being going to stuff, yeah. just being present. And that's yeah, yeah. It's been consistent for me throughout the whole career. I'm I'm personally ready to go like head first into it. Um, I don't necessarily have fear going into it personally, but um, I'm doing all my research to. Uh, I'm deciding between moving to like Chicago or New York. Uh, I uh, want to. I had that question. Yeah, yeah. It's like I. It's like it's a. Uh, there's like a lot of pros and cons, and I can go into it very specifically. But I'm trying to like approach this interview in a way that like you know a lot of other people can get something out of it, and it's not just me mm-hmm. jerking off here. So. Um. um my experience was I, I, I love Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to school there. I went back and lived there after I, I, I moved to Austin after graduating SAIC. And then I moved back to work with my painting mentor there. And the music scenes were some of the most like crazy, just like, you know, venue uh, DIY venues popping up and going away every like two months. Like it was very intense. It's very intense. And there's a certain sense of there's the spaces are bigger. You have more access to like large lofts and random shit. It's a little more chaotic and high energy. There's a constant sense of danger for better or worse. The way that the city is segregated, like it's yeah. a rougher, it's a more intense and rougher city. It's more DIY. <clears throat> like you're, it's just, it, it, I don't know. It, it's grittier and it's more stressful. Honestly, yeah. I, I do like that aspect. Worst. Coming from yeah, Baltimore. No, that is very, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a double edged sword, right? Like, because yeah. that's very energizing and it makes you feel like this is my place to mold it how I, how I want. Like, the city's big, but you can find pockets where you can really do something. Mm-hmm. That the flip side is it, it is being in music and art scenes there felt like I was having to crawl over the bodies of everybody else in my scene to get the fuck out of the city. And that was, and that, maintains to this day whenever i've got not not recently but up until like a couple years ago um i would come back and i would see friends from chicago and they all be like like oh i was new york like, <laughs> yeah. it's like super cutthroat <laughs> chip on the shoulder like 
there's this, this Chicago vibe that's really it's really cutthroat. Like more so, like in a weird way, more so than like LA and New York are absolutely cutthroat, but like mm-hmm. New York is e- exhausting and expensive enough that it, it, I don't know. It feels different. It doesn't feel so violent necessarily. So anyway, okay. it, it's it's more livable in Chicago. It's more you might have a better time. You might have like a more pleasant time. It's much more affordable. It's a place that always the culture is constantly coming out of that like really sincerely like, is creating so much of whatever the w- rest of the world copies but then it doesn't support itself like the, some of the you know original house musicians <clears throat> who are incredibly talented don't they don't really play that many shows or certainly not well-paying shows in chicago they go get booked in europe because they're just not re- and then they in chicago they book these shitty euro house djs and stuff like the city doesn't respect its own talent a lot of the time also the the, the larger issue is that it's a lack of media infrastructure this is less the case now but historically at least you know 10 years ago the site the sites the blogs vice uh, pitchfork whatever art mm. forum wh- whatever you want whatever the things that were the arbiters of promotion like you have a new show, you have a new music video, you have a new whatever, you send it off to them, or at least, or they find it and they document it. That exists. It that exists in New York and not in Chicago, generally to a large extent, partially because it's more people who are more people in media and media is going away. Like that world is going away right now, um, to be replaced by just straight up algorithmic discovery. But that world, at least for the time being, is maintained in New York and L.A. And I would be, for example, like. You be hearing about some cafe in New York in Bushwick that's like the cool, it's like all oh, the finest coffee you could ever, it's like the, the coolest place you could ever go. And then I would end up meeting the person who wrote that and I would see that it was like, oh, your apartment's here, like here, that, that cafe's across the block. Like you were, you had a deadline. <laughs> that you were just like, yeah. and, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because they they say these things and then the best people, you know, or quote unquote, the best, best people go to the city. But in a large, to a large extent, that is just the proximity to media to proximity to industry um and chicago has that in certain ways but in a lot of ways it doesn't and it certainly doesn't want to doesn't support i don't know yeah it it feels more meaningful out here so i don't know how many people need me to pitch new york Mm -hmm. you really should not live here unless you really have a reason to live here because it fucking sucks a lot of the time i'm I'm taking it with a grain of salt you know i already said it was like a you're living in a shoebox and this and that so and people live in yeah. Jersey and come in, or people live in yeah. in uh, whatever it, it, in Baltimore come in, or Philly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to. There's also something where, like, visiting New York when I was living in Chicago and I was living between both cities for for about a year, I would fly in, I would make all these business meetings happen, I'd be doing all this stuff. If you're in there for a few days, you can just force people to make time for you. When you mm-hmm. live here, it's like, oh, let's do it next week. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. exactly my impression. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's a balance of that. You really could yeah. like. It, it, I will always, to this day, have people being like, well, you don't really need to live in New York anymore, right? Like, you're a 3D guy. You can just yeah. email the art to the client. Yeah. That, and that is kind of true in some respects, but really for building a career, for building community, for building anything, it IRL still is essential. Um, so yeah. we, whether or not you live, like, right here or you live two-hour train right away and just come in every couple of weeks, like, either one of those could work very reasonably mm-hmm. i think and it maybe is the move as rents go rents are going psycho right now yeah. people are having their rents raised by like thirteen hundred dollars like oh in the next month like it's just absurd and there's no pr- legal protections and it's not going to get any better because we have no political willpower to actually do anything out here so not that yeah. chicago does <laughs> like 
but for the for the most <laughs> yeah. part right now it's like a, just a little like the tiniest bit cheaper <laughs> to do so yeah. to kind of yeah, live yeah, in yeah. there so that's, that's another draw yeah yeah sorry go ahead andy Oh, I just said sliding in. Right now, you have the ability to slide in while rent's still uh, reasonable. Whereas New York, yeah, it's uh, terrible. Yeah. So great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As someone living in New York, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I you might, know. I, I'm. I mean, I'm in a. I've been in a spot that has been leaseless, and I've been paying seven hundred a month for like se- six years. But it sucks. We don't know landlords. We have vermin. Like. I've been doing, I'm now trying to move into an a, a actual apartment, like a proper place. That's not, it, it, like, our place is fine, but I just want to leave. So there are places, you can find things like that. You just have to really work at it. <clears throat> and you kind of have to, again, you kind of have to know somebody who lives in the area who like knows somebody who's a broker. You can't yeah. use straight easy. You can't use the apps because then you're going to be waiting in line with 50 other people for a one bedroom yeah. apartment that costs like $3,000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really lucked out by like my spot. Like I pay eleven hundred. My roommate pays fourteen hundred or something. And like we're off in Ridgewood, like on the border of, of uh, Ridgewood and Bushwick. And it's like that's like that's not that's pretty affordable. And it's like a, it's a big place, and we got like a back back room, big for New York area, big for New York. Yeah, definitely small for Chicago or like anywhere reasonable. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I lucked out because like it was a Craigslist post. And I got it in like back in November. I moved in November, like right before the insane craze happened. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and so, continues. Yeah. I yeah. Either city's great. Maybe try both. I don't know. <laughs> like I had yeah. to, to really find yeah. find my place. And and I mean, we we could have been we very well could have be could could have been re- relocating outside of New York had we not started putting roots down at zero space. I mean, we'll see mm-hmm. if how yeah. how you know how things go out here. But this might keep us here for the next decade, literally. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Staying at somebody's place for a few months, trying it, checking out, seeing what the vibe is. Not basing off of one weekend because whenever you visit any city for one weekend, you're gonna think it's sick because everybody's yeah. like oh, showing you good news. Yeah. I was there with my friends and we were just yeah. <laughs> going out like that day. all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I am. Um, this is very helpful already for me. But I guess the next question would be like, how did you like put your roots into zero space or Team Rolfez or all of that once you guys decided, okay, let's uh, let's make it happen in New York, I guess. So well, I mean. New York that's with a, all these that's a, that's a long process. No, yeah, exactly. A long process, but I, I guess I want to hear the the trouble. Hear the tale. Yeah, I mean, with, with all these things, it's yeah, it is like a it's been a we started Team Office t- 2016, Andy? Is 2017, right? April. 2017. Um, it was we'd already been working on we'd done a few music videos at that point. We'd already been working together on things. Andy was working for Nico Panda, like Nicola Nicola Formichetti or Ketty? Formichetti. Every time I get that wrong, former Keddy, um, who we worked with since with Gaga stuff and stuff like that, um, and Super Deluxe, uh, which is if, no, if nobody knows Super Deluxe is, it's kind of like a R.I.P. sister company. R.I.P. My God, it's, uh, like, can y'all hear that music? Tell me if you can start hearing the music. There, there's an event that's going to start here, and you might have to join Andy. Anyway, um, <laughs> Super Deluxe was uh, uh, like a sister company to Adult Swim, basically, and they did all this. It was like it, Adult Swim, but actually more online. They had this crazy live uh, uh, project that, like, all the Twitch interactive stuff that's happening now still pales in comparison to the stuff they were doing using Facebook chat on Facebook Live, like back in 2017. So, anyway, that was mm-hmm. an excuse. We were getting, we were actually getting a, a relatively large budget, budget for the first time, and I had been running everything through my personal 
bank account up until that point, just fucking up my taxes. And we realized our friend Tim Senti said, get a form an LLC at the very least just for your own taxes, tax burden. Um, so that, that was the impetus for Team Rolfus. And then from there, I mean, I, I, the thing that got me to New York was I was living in Chicago. I was flying to New York. You could get $100 flights pretty cheap. I was just randomly flying to New York every couple months just trying to like meet people meet my i'd add this is back in like facebook early like and in and instagram days but not in the way it is now um no tiktok nothing like that um and i had been i added my director like idol tim sesenti who's now a good friend to us i had added all these people i just was like i had posted some 3d stuff being like hey, i'm coming to new york like let me know if anybody's around and he he very kindly messaged me it was like hey yeah we should hang out and he showed me around and we started collaborating, and then through those collaborations, I and through doing some, I had, uh, happened to a friend sent me a competition to uh, send some art in for a a gallery show at Nico Panda back in the day. I get in the get the, the gallery competition was enough to me for me to spend my savings to fly out for that and just do a bunch of meetings. And I ended up meeting uh, somebody who eventually. It, okay, long story short, I I kept kept visiting this one fashion company over and over and over and being like, here's my new stuff, here's my new stuff, check it out, check it out. And they're like, oh, this is very sick. We have nothing for you, but like this is cool to see. Um, eventually, they put me in contact. They were like, maybe just to get me off their back, put me in contact with this creative director at the studio for Dior and Louis Vuitton, who does their storefronts and vitrines. And they were like, we need a three modeler. All our people do Rhino. We need somebody to do organic forms. So. I got a temporary gig for about a, two years doing um, storefront design, like sculpting for for Dior and Vuitton, and that was enough of a budget to get a to to move with my now ex to a place in Bushwick and get set up there and get rid of my Chicago place. And then from there, I mean, Zero Space was uh, us knowing again, just being in the scene, knowing this, this guy Zoe, knowing a couple other people. That this it used to be a, a, an experiential uh, venue place you go and you see the crazy like uh connect tracked stuff and there's like a sleep no more kind of element we did a few live stream test shows for unsound and for adult swim there and just kept it kept up the dial the, the dialogue and we were in on the ground floor and all this like we, we were aware that we were doing virtual production so-called quote-unquote before that was ever a thing we've been doing that for since 2016 mm-hmm. now it's a huge industry with yeah. big led walls and vr yeah. and all this <laughs> stuff but we it was it was because we've worked with that because it was art like artistically interesting to us, but also you know we kept that in mind. I was positioning us to try and get some funding because we were doing this before there was ever really an industry for it. So anyway, as we see that industry growing and zero space themselves at, during the pandemic pivot to virtual production, we realize there's a now is the perfect time for us to jump in on that. And they are uniquely supportive of artists in a way that most of these like weird corporate sponsorships or like partnership artist residency things almost universally suck. Like we had one with VR world in Midtown. We had one with like all these things that like sound cool, <laughs> but then they give you, they give you like a wrecked out office basement and like two bucks and it's like 90 and no AC. And then they expect you <laughs> to make like, an hour of rendering or else they start threatening lawsuits type stuff. Like all like, yeah. a lot of these corporate yeah. things end up being it. They suck. And this, uh, this is yeah. no AC it, and it's a heat wave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's um, and that, that's not to say like, Oh, if you follow these specific steps, you will find something like zero space. Zero space is a moment in time. Yeah potentially that, that I've never run into the U S before. Cause we have no state funding. I've run into kind of sort of 
similar opportunities that were not so commercially based in Europe because they get state funding as so you can put on the big festivals and stuff. That's where we go perform overseas. But in the US, this is kind of a once in a several many years thing. And that's partially just because we've been living in this intermediate space between fostering our art and then trying to plug that into existing industries and trends and waves and things, being aware of the general cultural dialogue and try and have a conversation, like have a dialogue with that broader mainstream world um, in order to be relevant, to be something that's not just completely esoteric and with the hope that we can get some sort of funding for our studio. And that is kind of where things have been dovetailing is seeing where things are going and seeing if you have a place for your own work to interact with that in some sort of capacity. And then just pitching a million people, telling a million people about it, having 500 people say like, yes, we're going to give you all the money. Oh, we're going to make you a superstar. Oh, I'm going to be your manager. I'm going to da, 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 da. And like 99.9 of those things will fall away and then 10 years will pass and then something cool will come up or something, you know, or like yeah, a cool yeah. thing will happen every, yeah. every couple of years. So that's been more or less the, the process. Okay. Um, that, that, yeah, that that's not too abstract an answer. <laughs> no, that was pretty. That was pretty succinct. But um, seeing how vigilant you are with these, like these dealings or contracts or whatever the case, um, I, I then then my ne next uh, question would be like, now that you're in the position to like pay other people. Like, how are you compensating? How how did that process like evolve? I guess, and where is where is it now? I mean, all this stuff's been piece, like uh, step by step, trial and error. Yeah. Um. Um. Through building, starting with you know a one music video, and then it's just just me, and then it's me and Andy, and then it's me and Andy. Like, and realizing, I mean, this is more my issue, but I was very and still I am very controlling about things. But to a certain extent, Andy and I are doing these projects and then there's just, there's too much stuff. We want to do something. We can't handle everything. So we got to hire somebody. So, I mean, by our second video, we were, we had like five people on staff. Um, and yeah, it's just that it's been a process of just expanding the team. And then now we're, now we're paying out of pocket because we're finally doing our original projects and stuff. So, awesome. I mean, I just put out, I mean, it's in the hopes that we get some outside investment, but like. That and, and knowing how what people's rates are, knowing how to yeah, uh, argue yeah. a contract or, or or like set up a contract, not necessarily argue one, but like what people deserve, what sucks has just come through Andy and I experiencing it <laughs> on the other yeah. end, being hired for stuff and being like, this sucks. This is how it should be done. Um, yeah. I mean, anything else, Andy? I mean, that's basically just been going well, step by step. Yeah, like dealing the wheeling and dealing with corporations and how we have gotten paid, recognizing how we don't want to pay people. Paying um, on time, you know, or trying to. Time. Um, establishing think, the scope beforehand, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah so. and also budget. One big thing mm. that, that was a problem was like when we were starting out, it was like it was like a lot of friend rates. And the same thing, like, okay, now we actually need to learn people's rates because like, Budgets went from two thousand dollars, and we're breaking our backs with this music video to fifteen thousand to fifty, eighty thousand, and it's just like, all right, now we can like hire, actually like hire people and like play, pay proper rates to the, to no, where great. we so are then, now to like. To, then we hire we more people, though, and then this that that ends up being no, an issue. That's then, what I'm mentioning. Yeah. Like right. it's the balance. Speaking on budgets, uh, yeah, like it's being able to pay people's rates and being able to pay like pay for a larger team. 
um, to help manage things, um, especially working with our producer extensively. We've been blessed to work with Dina Chang, exec- a former executive producer at Vice, among many, many, many other things. Um, yeah, right. Realizing but, we need like that we need a producer. So, How yeah, valuable re- a producer is. Oh yeah, I did not so realize that until. Yeah. And so, yeah, she's been amazingly, amazingly helpful, especially just in terms of helping us, like, just literally just, like, having in a sheet, like, writing down, like, these are our, our line items. This is the amount of overhead you also have to have in, in mind, and this is what we're going to ask for, rather than just being like, oh, yes, thank you for the amount that you're giving us. It's like, no, this is what the amount we need to actually complete this yeah. job. Yeah. And, like, we can negotiate, but, like, you will have to learn to not to live without some things because that you know, so is otherwise not physically possible. Where in the past we would have tried to do that because we're just busting our asses to try to make something work because we're trying to make, make our moves towards now. It's just like, okay, we are done killing ourselves and living an unhealthy life. <laughs> like how do we have this healthy for everyone? <laughs> everyone part of the process, like mostly healthier life. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's gotten better. <laughs> but yeah. but we're, we're we're able to more through all those struggles more confidently tell say no okay getting to getting to a point even if i mean a lot of it also was faking it till you make it that that's how all this thing was was just like just acting like you know what you're doing and then and get doing your best and asking other people who are doing the thing and then just and just having confidence to push through and and um no and and advocating for yourself throughout not being oh trying to overly grovel at the ground because because we're all because there is no it's hard to do a union of any sort with freelancers because we're all individual monads negotiating against these big corporations like our bargaining power is very very minor but the very you know so it ends up being a race to the bottom but um recognizing what is going to be painful and ruin your life uh at least gives you the confidence to just be like this isn't worth it like get somebody else or something or or and usually i mean we have not said straight up like no or i quit mid project very that's very very infrequent we we always typically just end up trying to make it work but like the few times where i've been like this is unacceptable i'm leaving or you need to find somebody else that it has reframed the 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 relationship with the client drastically in my favor and they were like no no i'm sorry like whereas before they were being an asshole like it forces them to recognize you as as a person who has a breaking point and it shouldn't get to that point and you can give them with when you establish project scope when you when you establish like what are we agreeing to top, at the top? What does that cover? And especially, I mean, I would say probably the the biggest thing you have to watch out for is scope creep. Which, um, yeah, whatever. Even if you have if, whether you have a contract or not, what do you agree? What you agree on is the scope. Yeah. Like it's a video, and it's got three characters, and it's got, and then they do this thing, mm-hmm. and then they. I hope you have a contract. It it would help to have a contract. <laughs> yeah. um, but at the very <laughs> least, very establish that this is how much you're getting. This is when it's coming in. <clears throat> If they start ex- extending past that, then the, the then the original deal doesn't apply. The terms and the like. Yeah. It's either you need more money, you have to renegotiate. These revisions cost more, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. All that kind yeah. of stuff, and just establishing that there is a scope and it doesn't expand forever. Um, I have personally, I mean, I, I it's almost always my fault when that happens and we end up getting scope creep because it's just you, you get in the process. You're just yeah. like, yes, let's just do yeah. it. They're excited. They're like, oh, fine, yeah. fuck, okay. That that you have, really have to put your foot down. Well, it, you establish it up front, and then you won't have to feel bad about putting your foot down because you've told yeah. them. And then they'll be like, you know, a client client sucks, so they'll be pissy or they'll be they'll give you shit about it or whatever. But you have it in writing, 
And then you just have to stick by your guns as a, not even just an artist, but just as a human with, with who, who has limits uh, to stick to that original agreement. Right. And that's it's, legally enforceable too. Yeah, it's yeah. knowing what you should be precious about, about especially with like a, a client project. It's like, look, unless like the IP is 100% yours at the end or like, and or they're paying, actually even if they're paying a lot of money, it doesn't matter. Like it's, unless it's like 100% your IP, then it's like how precious gauging how precious you actually need to be and like just sure. knowing when to be like okay well this thing isn't right working out like we need to make these cuts like this needs to happen etc yeah um and, and like and like to say like because what does and also making sorry, a quick note because like a lot of times like we are steadfast with uh uh contracts with our clients we're usually a lot of a lot more just i'm just revealing this hypocrisy that i have because a lot of times with our contractors we don't have contracts, but we do have it in writing, scope, rate, mm. everything in emails. So mm. that's very helpful to like for everyone yeah. to refer back to. It's like okay, even if it's not not like a, a formal signed document. It is in Close email. Now. It is. It is. It's. It's. It is. Yeah. It's. It's, it's usable in court. In a court yeah. of law. And even just like day to day, people can be like, oh, okay, so this is like the days I'm on. This is the rate, etc. Mm-hmm. It's like something like even it, like and it, it just helps everyone with the process. So like knowing, having those com- clear communication li- com- clear communication lines, and like having that uh, knowing what to aim for. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hopping on a call with a client or with somebody to like figure shit out or like, you know, go over stuff is usually, especially if there's issues can really smooth things over. But whenever it gets into like nitty gritty, like rate scope increase, stuff like that, they need to be, that can't be on the phone. That has to be emailed. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I I don't know if this was, if it, is this still within what y'all want to talk about? Because we yeah. keep oh. talking about professional practices. For no, it, it, it works. I'm basically in the mindset of like, all right, uh, what, like, uh, they don't teach you this in art school, like at all. They don't even mention yeah, contracts from like my curriculum, no. which is like, mm-hmm. like crazy to even think about, um, like entering like the workforce like this. I'm um, so thankful I had like one professor in a producing class who actually was like, guys, I, I went because they graduated from, because uh, I'm at NYU, so they graduated mm-hmm. from NYU. They're like, guys, I, I have all these documents that they never gave me. I'm going to give you guys an enlarged Google Doc. Like, literally, send me that Google Doc. I possibly can share with you guys. Yeah, that's great. That you might possibly need in your life. I'm I'm lucky that I knew somebody off of Discord that actually was like in a in a state school doing graphic design and their teacher was like, hey, this is how you do contracts. And then they gave them a template of their contract. Mm. And then uh, they're like, okay, so kind of uh, fill in your own name. Uh, I basically made it like fill in the blank. It's like an ad lib, do whatever. It's a mad lib. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sure. (laughs) So, uh, and then they started talking to me about that and I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to this fucking art school and they didn't even fucking mention this. So I'm slowly getting the hang of like, all right, you got to advocate yourself for yourself um mm-hmm. uh like well, yeah <laughs> I, I mean that the the thing is that you know coming out of a coming out of a like a uh bfa art school thing the bfa program broadly for better like it varies but like it's built for an industry that doesn't exist anymore like yeah. the existing white box gallery world is a fossil it exists to to prop up existing old money and just like justify itself yeah. like Culture has moved on, the industry's moved on, but no money has come in and, and we're still getting trained for, for this one process. And so 
they don't they don't think to give us professional practices or whatever. So the, the no. basically the way that Andy and I found our ways to into where we're at now is is recreating our art practice in these like commercial spaces, doing it with musicians, doing it with fashion companies because those were creative prompts that we could work with and in and have a fair amount of creative freedom. Typically, they don't have much money, but if you're willing to like live kind of a shitty lifestyle for a while, maybe it can build up or at least, it, you know, it comes with a certain amount of clout. It comes with a certain amount of like promote. It has a built in promotional cycle. Crucially, like the music world, again, is a functional industry, even though it sucks shit. It is a existing <laughs> functional industry. And he, as much as they don't want to credit visual artists as much as little as possible, there is at least a it's built around a marketing cycle an album release a, a yeah. music yeah. video whatever and so there's a certain amount of fanfare that galleries sure as shit basically don't do where they gotta send a send out a yeah. postcard yeah. like give me a break i mean but mm -hmm. i think newsletter and now granted where where that um utility comes in is those, if you can get with a gallery like they have built-in collector networks and that's not a promotional thing that's just them talking to their rich friends or whatever the benefactors yeah. yeah. which is one way to do things in in another kind of path but anyway that's so lacking a a, in, a a institutional art world again this is a very american thing there is more of a support for this in europe because and australia and i imagine asia but i, I we're just you know familiar with with uh, australia and europe mm -hmm. those have state funding so they can do big crazy yeah. the INLs and whatever the fuck that does not exist here for the most part so unless you really know somebody so um we've just learned by like immersion immersion therapy or immersion learning by being in com the commerce world um and you just have to you sink or swim when it comes to that kind of shit um yeah yeah so that's one way you don't have to do that and now there's like i mean yeah i don't know <laughs> then we're getting into like yeah like yeah, do you, like, you want to be a yeah. content person like I, you know um, we've always been we're doing client stuff we're doing things that end up as content but we're not we're not streamers. We're not like, I'm not in TikTok. I'm not trying to monitor, do ads on TikTok or something like that. Yeah. That's a whole other world that is always there and always like, you know, tempting us with like, ooh, clout. Like, oh, don't you want like, <laughs> yeah. I will and, say and, the Zuck got me pregnant video though is a pretty incredible <laughs> content. That's pretty oh, awesome. That should have millions. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, okay, I mean, you're not the fifth person to tell me that. Like, I, like mm. all those, those sketches from a couple years ago, um, fit into that to an extent but i don't actually know i mean we don't need to get into just a conversation about tiktok but like my interest in that stuff happened when i with in a world in, on instagram where you would there was trends that you could still kind of subvert and you would still be participating in the trends tiktok yeah. in, at least in my experience you're either you're fully participating more or less straight-faced if you're trying to subvert it it's not going to catch the yeah. wave and so i'm not really interested even though like there's the the, the promise of more views so we're taking this other way around of doing stage shows, doing short, doing short films, kind of trying to win the game by not playing. We'll mm -hmm. see how that works out. This is the first year of us doing fully original stuff, paying for our own stuff, like doing large scale stuff that we're putting all of our energy into. Um, it's exciting. But it, it's incredibly exciting. It's incredibly yeah. scary. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yes, I'm the client now. <laughs> I'm putting my, yeah. until we get investment, I'm putting my money into this project and it, I don't have that much yeah. money and like I'm using all of it, but I think it's worth it. And it's, it's scary to, it's it's it sounds corny as shit but like it's scary to not put out a new like fuzzy video every three weeks or yeah. like a skit every two weeks or whatever the fuck the algorithm requires but i was just looking down the line and andy had been dissatisfied with the shit 
way before me. Um, I was kidding myself, but I was looking just being like, how many more? We're going to keep doing music videos, but how many more can we really do of this? Like, how many more? Do I just want to be making like funny one minute skits responding to the thing that happened five seconds ago before everybody kind of forgets about it? Mm-hmm. The rest of my life, like, give me a break. So, trying to hop off of that treadmill and tr- shoot for the moon and see if it works out is where the moment we're in right now it could crash and burn. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, but that took six years of like playing the game to get to that point. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm taking right now. It's, I just wanted to say I'm taking like golf swings at like small little hits at trying to nice. do my own pet. Cause it's, you know, we're in art nice. school. So yeah, yeah, we yeah, still yeah. have the capability to do that. But yes, I mean, it's still like uh, uh, recently, I just want to add on to the idea of budget and uh, uh, mm-hmm. not understanding budget until you actually try it. Because uh, mm-hmm. I recently shot a, a short film of mine uh, uh, that we budgeted originally. We're like, oh, yeah, this is small scale, limited locations, like three <laughs> locations, uh, $3,000, you can probably do this. It ended yeah. up like ballooning up to like five to 6K <laughs> about by the end of the project. And it, yeah, I, I'm in debt to a lot of people <laughs> because I borrowed a lot of money from a lot of people. And mm-hmm. now I'm just Thank like, God, not me. Yeah, <laughs> I did not borrow from Gabriel. Gabriel made a nice donation, a friendly donation. But, uh, I mean, that's a common story. I mean, that you know, yeah. it, we've also backed into we back into all these like worlds and practices, like commercial space, music video space, production space, film, the film world. Like that whole thing is a pretty common story. Like you know, yeah. just, just going for it and spending a lot of money. I mean, that's hopefully our this one we're doing will pan out, but it's pretty typical that like you just you do that and then it's like a huge monetary boondoggle and it could be a really good thing but it's like a huge mess so we've at least been able we've had this history to know i need to get a producer and we can structure a show this way so Mm -hmm. i save a few headaches but it's always trial and error and i mean i probably could have well we would have been started doing more original stuff other than these little sketches and stuff earlier but because we were locked into this music video like online treadmill those are only have enough money to keep us going for a, a month or two at a time maximum. So it's just like, you know, if we want the, a, fr- a little freedom to do our own thing, the, 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 at least historically, the, the usual setup is a studio will do 80% purely pure commercial stuff, like do stuff for whatever BMW or like Fanta or, or, or whatever. So, and, and they're just doing ad stuff. Even music video directors, m- m- the vast majority of directors who do music videos do not make a living doing music videos. Yeah. The fact we made a living doing experimental animated music videos yeah. is psychotic. <laughs> first place. People don't do that. You, they do their ad stuff. They, they get they. production literally because there's no money there um and but uh, so and then they'll do their fun project like once or twice a year to get a little clout and like do have some art, art time we've only done like the experimental arty stuff that's like barely funded and so that's and we've just kept the running studio running doing that now granted it, it helped to be doing things in multiple worlds like the music world the fashion world super deluxe like i was always positioning us and pitching us to a lot of different spheres that not just cynically in terms of like this is the hot thing, but like this is what we're we're interested in and what our specific artistic practice would lend itself well to, like Super Deluxe doing real time weird comedy 3D stuff. Um, and even though most of those, you know, even though uh, you know we were supposed to have a huge official Twitch show and then they then Amazon fired everybody or we we're supposed to have a big Super Deluxe thing and then they destroyed Super Deluxe, you know, like the even though parent companies will continue, like you'll you'll do a million pitches, three will set will get right there to selling and then they get canceled by bezos or somebody else 
it has at least diversified the different art we're doing and made us more conversant in doing all sorts of things right. and drill down to yeah. like what is the core of like Team Rolfus, not just like music videos, but what is our whole yeah. deal. Yeah. Which is a silver lining of years of hardship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but on that, but on the note, like I've I've been talking to artists friends recently about this about like you know if you're fine with kind of taking a slow path for a bit, there's no shame at all. And like just taking a day job. Cause like, it's nice it's having safety nets. Mm-hmm. Like we're fortunate enough to have like a few safety nets around, like if shit really gets bad. And like, yeah, there's like some people don't have the safety nets we have. And like, it's, it's perfectly fine to be like, okay, yeah, I just got to work this nine to five so you can build up savings sure. if anything. And yeah. then once you, and then, and then, yeah, like do the weekend projects. Like people try to, like, I don't know. People say one way or another thing, but I was like, it's fine. It's just it'll slow you down. Sure, that's just physics. You can't put as much time into what you're trying to build. But yeah. if you can have that patience to build that work things. I mean, that's kind of like what, how why I jumped ship at Nico Panda because like I was working there, and then I like team office stuff was start starting to build up, and like. There are also like other things at, at, at the company, but mainly it was just like team office building up. It's like, okay, I'm I'm spending I'm spending weekdays and weeknights now because I've cut down my hours. I'm I might as well just like jump ship now. Mm-hmm. Um, enough consistent stuff coming in. Which is yeah. I mean, yeah. we've been like to your point, we've been very privileged to have consistent stuff pretty much without fail when we're like out there trying to make it happen, like a project will come in every two to three weeks. Of- we will like want to say yes to and that will keep the thing going what was it like back when it was still like when you were you were just freelancing on your own sam and you were just trying Mm -hmm. to like so yeah so when i when i moved back from austin to chicago when i moved to austin i worked at an art store on the drag and it was the worst time of my life i was like I would I would like get get off work at like seven p.m. and I would go to a, uh, one of the twenty four hour coffee shops and then work all night on like my own shit trying to like put put this art collective together and like fig do, like figure out my art world and try and get a gallery show or whatever and and work until from seven like get there like eight p.m. work there until like six or seven a.m. drive to the parking lot of my the art store sleep for an hour and then go back into work and I would I would do did that enough times and then I hit up that painting mentor uh Wesley Kimler um moved back to Chicago. It was like enough of an excuse. He was, he was like, I don't have any money, but I can at least, we can do some shows and you can like meet some people. We can put we can put some stuff on. So I moved up there and started, he introduced me to this very eccentric eyewear designer, eyewear store, storefront owner. Um, and she was just eccentric enough to be, be, have a lot of ideas in terms of eyewear designs and asked me to do like 3D mockups and stuff. And I just started doing 3D. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, okay, yeah, we'll do a 3D print of this like eye patch thing you want to do. Or okay, I'll design your your whatever greeting cards or something. Um, which and so I got to transition from being a painter into more digital. I could just sit at a cafe charging a hourly rate, learning ZBrush basically. Um, that was that kind of carried me through to I was working there until basically until I started uh, visiting New York. Like I had enough of a consistent income that I could go fly out to New York and s- sleep on people's couches. And I would. that's where I started working with, with Tim and having more of an actual portfolio. And then, I, I mean, random... I'd already been doing flyers for, for music shows. I'd been doing album covers every once mm-hmm. in a while, like small things, basically not paying, but building up a bit of a momentum. And specifically, going to these music scenes, participating in the scenes, sometimes DJing, um, 
and becoming and having enough of becoming uh, 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 having enough stuff pop up that people thought of me when they were looking for a certain thing. Um, and then that that kind of just kept building. And then I, I the Dior thing came through again, me just like banging the door down at this fashion company and just continuing to do that. So like the, that, the freelancing was basically having this one weird exceptional client and then taking a bunch of other random things while I could and just like see how much I could get away with. Mm-hmm. Um, and working at a, oh, and I worked at a, a, a punk venue, just like running hot wings up three flights of stairs. So um, it was kind of just like <laughs> doing, yeah, yeah, it was running hot wings at this punk venue in the, on like near South Side, doing this eyewear thing, and then just trying to do as much like ran, like pitching to people and just try, trying to meet people in New York and to the point that I could like get enough of a consistent income enough to, to feel comfortable moving out there. Um, was was DJ fuck a thing by by this time? No, no, that was that. I was. I mean, I've been DJing since I was fifteen, but DJ fuck was uh twenty eighteen. Basically, whenever horrorcore Dan did his first horrorcore show in New York, um, he booked uh DJ Ocean, which was Caroline, and a bunch of other people, and he he hit me up and he's like, he knew I had been I had grown up a, a turntablist. So he was like, Sam, would you like to do a new metal turntablist set as DJ fuck? I was like, Dan, I would fucking love to do that. Thank you. <laughs> and it was like enough of like a the, giving me the new metal thing. And so wait, was it his thing. idea for you, <laughs> to, yeah. for you to be called DJ Fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was given to me by Dan. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I am DJ Fuck is in the Danny Harl universe. It, it has not been pictured in any of the videos vis- too visibly. There's like a hint here and there, but um, DJ Fuck is very much still in Dan's universe. And that was enough of like a that was really crucial for me because I was taking myself way too serious. Cause I was doing more sound and playing shows and throwing, throwing shows in Chicago than visual stuff. Really. When I was in art school, I was doing my paint, like mixed media painting stuff, but I was really about making music and DJing and stuff. Um, and that kind of fell away as I was trying to make the visual thing happen. But, um, I was taking myself very seriously and I was like, and all, everything I wanted to do was like this super high concept, big project thing, which I see a lot of early artists do is like, I want to do a metaverse. I want to do this. I want to do a 3d character that's plugged into a stream and da, 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 and, and you should just do one of those things or take it or do all of them, but don't take it very seriously and like make them all silly and shitty. Dan calling me DJ fuck was stupid enough that I could just like, I can just play any show. Like I, I've been playing a lot of shows internationally and going around, but I'm not, necessarily seeking it out it's just it just continues to be a fun thing which was enough of a disconnect from like my artistic personality or whatever um so for for a lot of people who might end up maybe like me getting tripped up and making these overly ornate things um sometimes giving yourself a stupid alias or something uh or or having some sort of disconnect from that can be very helpful Oh, it looks like our call is gonna. Yeah, I can just I I can make a new one. I thought here, no, I can I can extend this. I've got a Google individual plan. Hold on. All right, I'm gonna start my 14 day trial. They're making this very easy for me. All right, we can keep talking. All right, perfect. My card is over. Great, great. Um, do you have anything to add to that, Andy? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, we were we went all over the place, but the, yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. initial question was uh, like the like uh, the f- first couple jobs, I guess, and like freelancing and stuff. I know you have a yeah. background of figurative getting painting, to, like how we how we got enough of like a momentum and then made it our own. Right? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Andy, yeah. What's what's your perspective on that? Um, like on keeping Team Rolf at the float. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like near the beginning part of. Team Rolf, when you first got getting involved, maybe. 
Yeah, because like I've been working on and off with Sam while I was still at Nico Panda. Like, um, like we would have projects and like you know, shoot things like in the space there, which they allowed. Like they'd be like, "Yeah, you should work out here." I was like, "Okay." Yeah, They're very sure. supportive. Yeah, yeah, they're very supportive. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember the the early days. Yeah, 2018, I jumped ship. I think we. Well, I mean- you were shooting. You were when you graduated. You were shooting. You were doing photography for weddings and stuff. Well, if you want to back up, like my I, when I graduated, I yeah, I was, I was still like a semi-pro photographer and like in in like the fashion scenes. Like I, I I worked pro bono at a gallery in in Dallas, South Dallas, and or Deep Ellum, it's not South Dallas, um, and then uh, like the Arts District, and. Like I got all, everything I could get out of there. I was like, all right, jump ship. And so I go to New York without a job and just like a savings that quickly evaporated. Um, but fortunately, I, I, I had an old patron who who would has like a has like a fashion fashion website. You know, like I'd done some like a couple of events for her at, in Dallas, and she was like, oh yeah, if you're in New York, we can shoot in Fashion Week. And so my first actual job at, in new york because i shoot women's fashion week 2015 is about 20 shows in three days um uh, front of house and behind the scenes with a team um team a few others so that was insane awesome that was <laughs> fucking awesome and then i think that kind of ties me over because like i think a month later i hit up i see someone from two hustlers that had set up the gallery part of Nico Panda. Part of Nico Panda that had like um organized the the gallery thing at Nico Panda. They were looking for three hours and other stuff, just like experimental stuff. And so I DM them and Zach is like, Oh yeah, perfect. You're perfect. And so that's an unpaid internship for three months. They do pay me because I do like three my first job there is I make three vr experiences for their holiday party i spent like a couple months making that um, for the oculus because the google cardboards had just come out and so i collaborated with sam for one another one was like a nico panda themed one like very idyllic like basically the whole idea was like you can pop these bubbles that are falling down from the sky in the shape of they're just there's they're just like a panda themed landscape that's like very cartoony but like as um orchestral music plays i forget i think it was like saturn or jupiter one of the songs of like about the planets um that was in public domain um, yeah. mm-hmm. well, for context like, like nico pan was really support weirdly supportive of expert like kind of techie art stuff that we were doing oh, yeah. partially just because they were interested in it for like promotion and stuff but, like it's seeing andy, andy's google cardboards for this holiday party like all these like very fancy, you know, like Instagram clouded, like fashion people up in this loft in Soho, putting on like these big chunky Google cardboards. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, yeah. like that's that, much like zero space does not come along around a lot. So it was like being aware of like zeroing in on people who like actually seem kind of cool and interested in what you're doing that you can fit mm, into yeah. and then trying to fit into their, their world as best you can. Yeah. Which is a weird world. Uh, I mean, I was, was burnt out. And I left the party early because I was just, I was so, I was so severely just burned out. Like I couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It wasn't Start trajectory with fashion broadly. Basically, <laughs> uh, burned out, burned leaving out. the party. Early. 
Yeah, so, but then I continued with them for the next two and a half years. Thankfully paid. They brought me on. Um, went from two hustlers and I kind of uh, kind of closed down. I kind of, actually I was like pretty much like their last freelancer or whatever. I'm still, I'm like, I think I continually got paid through two hustlers doing work for Nuka Panda for, for whatever reason. But I basically did, I did like a bunch of website, but fa- did fashion designs, did marketing, um, redid their website, mark more marketing, social media. I I've retouched like several campaigns. I actually personally shot like the accessories for at least one one or two campaigns. Oh, okay. Um yeah, they're getting their money's worth. Yeah. Um <laughs> milking you dry. Yeah. And so like during that process was making connections and having friends and people who'd come in come in and out and um and like getting to know New York more. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, by the time jump ship had like built up enough connections and savings after all that could be like okay this is now the time where i can kind of like stand i get we can like just kind of focus fully on team roth to kind of keep the momentum going i'm curious Which was, oh no, sorry no uh I, I just wanted to ask a, a more personal question of like since you guys do so much work with vr what was your first experience with vr do you guys even <laughs> remember like your first experience of putting that on Oh, I do actually. Yeah. Um, it was I can't remember the artist's name, but it was at it was one of the first times visiting New York. Might be might have been my first time visiting New York. I think it was New Museum had this installation by an artist at the headset hanging down, and it was about it was like a point cloud. You're like in the forest, and oh, you're in a yeah. point cloud oh, yeah, forest. I that. Yeah, it was nice. Um, that was basically all it was, but it You're was like, oh, it was this is not this is not nearly cool enough for <laughs> it was going to take off. Cool. I mean, I. We, you know, for our stuff, I mean, I've got the headset right next to me, but like, and I'm about, I'm gonna, about to use it. I have to record record this thing, but only on necessity. We we don't. Andy has more recently for because he actually had a playable VR thing um, installed at Zero Space, but a lot of times we're just using the controllers. We're not even using the headsets that much. So mm-hmm. it's more the physicality. It's more the the spatial tracking, that kind of thing that yeah, yeah. We, we're interested in more so than like the put a headset on and be in a new, be in a yeah. different world mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, my first experience is like pretty much just with the Google Cardboard doing web VR, doing the Android VR. And then during that process, I, I had enough money to where I could, I bought us a Vive and like started playing around with Tilt Brush and playing around with the Steam Archery game, which I've had many hours Yeah, on. I recently played that. Our, yeah, I did. Did you buy our Vive? Yeah. Oh. I was like, oh yeah, this could be a good investment. Like, let's let's get this. Good idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember that. Um, and I only remember huh. that like a few days ago. I was like, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> we didn't buy it for, I mean, usually we are, most of our, our equipment we get for a project. Like, you know, you need, you know, you need a project and you work it into the budget or something like that. I assumed it was something like that where we had had a major project and we just used it to buy the, no. We didn't do okay. that yet. No. Wow. We didn't know how to do that. So Interesting. <laughs> so we got a, we got a vibe and like that, I mean, tilt brush, like I, I had just, started getting back into 3d because we originally touched on it like we were teenagers and then it was like oh this is boring um and then came back yeah, into ZBrush it wasn't I, around then yeah came back and zbrush did exist at that point and like played around tilt brush and it was like okay this is fun but it's not really meaty for me it doesn't have any like literal things because it's splines um it's like i could also just do this in zbrush and so i kind of start playing around with that and so that that launches me for to where my current uh pro- practices mm-hmm. um and to be i mean i will 
that said, I, I said we don't use the headset. I do use it for spatial design, for like blocking um, yeah. the different yeah. levels and things we do. There, there are uses for that, but it's um, set very much secondary, typically. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, yeah, like set design or blocking out. And then we'll refine and like the brush and then bring that into Unreal and then make adjustments. A lot, a lot more, yeah, just like solidifying with the architecture and flow of the of the space because it really is nice being able to just zoom in and out in vr and be able to like, explore these spaces and like walk around yeah i mean i've got a i've got a oh, yeah, live show a in um sure uh, <laughs> right i mean walk around virtually <laughs> shut up <laughs> i've got a we've got a show um with it's it's not it's not another we got a three to one debut uh in best in this fall but there's one prior to that with with a different musician friend um and i'm gonna be I think doing the stage layout for that, I'm just having them send me the 3d file. So I can just expand it, walk, like be inside the space and like move the stage around and actually like see how it looks. So for that, for that kind of stuff, it's incredibly useful. Yeah. I don't know about that. Otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Let's, let me try and apply it to a specific project. Because, uh, we, we watched like not just like, an hour before hopping on this call with you guys, the Danny Elfman music video that you guys did. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I I loved it. <laughs> so good. I had never seen it before until it was just like that. And I was like, oh, this is so great. This is amazing. I just want to know, you. like, the process of making that one, that specific one. Uh, talk me through it. Talk me through, like, even just, like, how you guys were approached. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, well, so it started, it started as a, so, so Danny, um, the start of his pro- for this project was it was going to be this it, it was going to be the initial it was the initial conception of this big crazy Coachella blowout that they just had this year but it was going to be last year or the year before yeah last year and COVID was happening was it last year no, no year before year before um and COVID happened and so they there and Elfman was just like I guess we're we're going to do an album um they, uh his creative director had been following us for a while and introduced him, him to our stuff they liked it um and we had a mutual friend through Super Deluxe um at Twitch. And we had been working on a lot of concepts with to like do these bigger projects, and um, he he had the concept that we could do some sort of live live performance with Danny in 3D because there's you know this is a peak peak pandemic like nothing there aren't any live events can we do this thing on Twitch, and that was going along well and then I think the Twitch thing got killed by Bezos again or somebody in Amazon because. As soon as Amazon starts paying attention to a company they own, they start firing everybody. So yeah. anyway, got moved to a. We moved on, and we got moved to a music video. Um, and we had spent a, a bu- bunch of time like conceptualizing what it was about or whatever. But we we pick. He lets pick whatever track we wanted, and we heard Insects, which was like a you know a classic Oingo Boingo track. Mm-hmm. For one, was one of the most fun ones out of the album. We really liked it. Also, it, it gave us a direct like thing to play with, like bugs. Yeah, and that seemed kind of fun. <laughs> so. The shoot was really interesting. Like the shoot was hard to pull off, obviously, because it was during the pandemic. But like we were very careful on all the testing and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. we we put El- Elfman was so I, I cannot speak highly enough of him. Like for one thing, we finished the shoot in uh, like three hours early, which never yeah. ha- happens. Like we wow. wrapped three hours. He only needed to do we 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 would do a few takes per shot, but like he only would needed to do one because he like. We like strapped. He like took his shirt off. He's like ripped, and like he has tattoos and shit. I didn't realize it. We, we he puts the mocap suit on, and he's just like ready to go. And we record all this stuff, and then we put him in VR. Because I had the idea that we we to actually get like an act, like to get some motivated motion capture from him. 
put him in some of these different scenes that he as the like bug character will be doing. So like he's got the headset on like throwing stuff. Like Andy and I are like puppeting bugs around the room and he's like grabbing <laughs> stuff on the dresser and throwing it at him. Um, there was one where he had to like knock a bunch of buildings down. There was, yeah. I don't remember what the third one Bla- was. Blasting insects in the in yeah, the yeah, yeah. set well in the set wall yeah <laughs> so and use that just as like a way to motivate some some motion stuff and also just i always find it funny to put musicians in like weird scenarios where they're not trying to have yeah. to imagine they have something actually like act against and it's like kind of funny right. and it gives you some crazy shots and it's just fun to not not prank <laughs> but like kind of put them in a funny scenario yeah. that, uh, you know <laughs> Um, and then from there, it was like a big, you know, it's, these are huge sets. Like it was hard to, by the end of the project, it was hard to even open. You would have to, you click on the level and it would take 10 minutes to load the level. Um, okay. I think it was one of the, no, the first time we did ray tracing was maybe Gaga, but, um, mm. we, Gaga this is the most, yeah, this is the first time. I mean, this is the most bugs, like characters I think we've made for a project. Andy made a ton, mm. a ton of these insect characters, the most puppeting I've ever done. There were like 80 bugs in the, we, I puppeted 80 different bugs throughout the scene and there were like multiple different levels that were streaming into each other so it was like choreographing across this whole big expanse like i'm most proud i'm really proud of that video i'm i'm personally for for the stuff i worked on most proud about the the choreography because like choreographing 10 bugs in one room when you're recording one or two at a time can be very tricky and maintaining the motion and stuff so yeah it was this whole long process of recording each one one by one but keeping the flow of the whole scene and like like yeah animating one bug to be like okay and then they're going to be surprised here and then i have to animate the bug to and remember on beat to surprise that bug we you know, kind of have have this flow of a surprise a the bug yeah, <laughs> yeah. i was wondering just, how that went yeah yeah if you're if they're just being moved around bug like whatever that's cool but like it get so much more if they're running into each other if they're reacting to the flow mm-hmm. of each other yeah. and things like that so i start with the you know the main with elfman himself that was a mix of puppeting and motion capture from him um, and then, and he's kind of, in, he's kind of reacting to specific things that I, that I just pre-plan. Like, okay, there needs to be a moment here. He has to go around this way. It's kind of like planning. It's like planning a, a race. Like you go through this track this way, and you go back around, whatever. Um, and then you build. Then you animate all the other supporting characters to support that. Like, okay, he needs to stop here and go back around so we get this cool like camera turn on beat or whatever. I need a a bug thing to fly down and give him a, a reason to do that. So anyway, that was that process. And he did all sorts of like technical build out and like fluid sims and character design and anyway. Well, the, the, yeah, so the fluid ninja stuff to enforce these amorphisms, I think it was before that you know, we could do render time. But we did a lot of effects work and yeah, it was, it was honestly like because we did have, we were able to afford more hard, more of our hardcore developer friends. So like it's mm-hmm. funny, like, like it, despite it being very heavy like levels to work with, it was also like the most optimized. <laughs> you could probably get that. <laughs> Like like all the yeah. all the bugs are like like run t- like like mobile like like mobile phone ready, <laughs> like yeah like we knew like there was gonna be a bunch of them. Just mm-hmm. like it's it's also funny. It's like we we're being very serious. It's still very laggy, but like it was still yeah. very yeah. The scenes ran slow. They were that was that is Ooh, by yeah. far the heaviest heaviest like uh, density of stuff in any of our videos by far. Yeah, we should be careful around that project. <laughs> it pays off so well like it's so yeah, dynamic it and like with the camera movements it, it, it's just it's amazing how the flow is so it, it, like the way it takes you through that video is just so great <laughs> while also being so crazy yeah it took a lot of work job. yeah i appreciate that it was very we yeah. I mean we 
And we put the work in because El- Elfin, Elfin is a legend. And yeah. we have some yeah. more stuff yeah. we might be doing with him in the future. He's very courteous. He keeps just randomly like commenting on our Instagram posts, just saying nice. <laughs> <laughs> <It's so precious. laughs> yeah. Like he he's so fucking cool. Like yeah. He's he, more, like yeah. Going off that earlier note, he's a he's the kind of person who's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit beyond scope here. We're gonna yeah. a little, we'll put a little magic in here because like yeah. it's, it's like clearly worth it. He's like clearly I mean, a great person during production like we were rushing up against this deadline it was like we're getting there but it wasn't quite there and I, I was getting kind of stressed and we didn't say anything but i like he could tell through my emails to him that we were stressing and he moved his entire release schedule off by three weeks just to accommodate wow. us which meant releasing yeah. the track later it wasn't just yeah. delaying the video it he moved every yeah. other track release without even us asking he was like y- y'all seem like y'all are like it's really intense right now how about well, let's just move this down by a few weeks who who does that? <laughs> I know, especially for yeah. a music release. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. I mean, he really. I mean, you know, he he. It was through Epitaph, and Epitaph is great, but like, he's Danny Elfman, so to a certain extent, he can do what he yeah. wants. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that was. I was blown away. Like, I can't speak highly enough of him. And yeah. and his creative director Barrett was just like facilitated the whole thing and brought together oh, yeah. brought all these new people in, like the remix album having Machine Girl, Little Snake, and all these other people. I mean. It felt a little weird. It felt like the Donna Chromatica out, uh, remix album in the case. It was just like, this is all our friends. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so yeah. can't speak highly enough about their team. Mm-hmm. And and whose idea was it to uh, do like the Danny Elfman face, like Shark Boy and Lava Girl? <laughs> 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 I think that was mine. I think That's so good. Mutual. <laughs> we were, well, face? yeah, the, the, at least I, my initial approach to it was a projection. So it was mm-hmm. just, oh, you, it was yeah. like a light. It was like a spotlight, which looked cool from very specific angles because it was like casting his face on the character and then behind him. So it was just uh, huge, you know. But um, yeah, we had planned to fa- write a face animated thing from the beginning. We did have anima- face tracking, actually. Yeah, yeah. To animate we did have bug. face tracking, but we didn't end up using it. Um, mm-hmm. So we yeah, we just use a video thing, which I just we, we, we've done in a in a couple other things that uh, some like pilot development that will never see the light today. But we're, we're still playing around with that kind of vibe because it's very compelling yeah, and, yeah. and weird. Very no, weird. I, I I adored it, especially the more as the video goes along, it's just multiplied mm. <laughs> over buildings yeah. and stuff. It's, <clears> yeah. Well, he, again, incredible source material. Just I like as I started doing like some of the environmental accents and stuff, just putting his face texture on everything. He he just he, <laughs> yeah. the man can just sell <laughs> just it. Drag and drop like, okay, his is, face. Yeah. Literally, that was <laughs> to finish most of the scenes. It was just copy and pasting a, a video playing with his face on it like a thousand times across the scene, and it was super fun. Awesome. Well, I I could go on, and then the leading question would be like, oh, go more into the, like the technical stuff about the Lady Gaga one. But I feel like I want to like pivot more towards like the idea of uh, you guys are getting all these um, bigger projects and all that. I, I just want to ask, like, are you guys happy, or do you guys feel like happier doing these things? Like, oh, now you you're you're. Like, do views matter in this sense, or like, uh, it does it even compare to like artist like practices or anything? Like, I, I'm not sure quite how to frame that, but I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, so, so the 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 Gaga stuff, for example, was important for us because it was. I mean, it was a fun process and it was very exciting, and there was it was fun to deal with stands and like that whole crazy. <laughs> yeah. But for me, that was important because we were we were reaching the end of our rope in terms of this the 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 um pace of doing music videos specifically and we had been doing this thing and 
more and more we were getting and still are, but, but uh, we're getting people doing very similar things for other clients and getting undercut and people who were taking inspiration from our stuff in a way that was fine. But like, I felt like we were getting lost from the conversation a little bit. So views only, I mean, views, views and mainstream cultural discourse and dialogue matter to the extent to me, at least that you're, you're the the next project. Well, the, yeah, on a cynical, just like career thing, yeah, it brings yeah. in more stuff and it, it expands your your visibility and stuff like that. It gives you more access to stuff, whatever. Just on a conceptual, artistic level, I feel like mm. it's a, it, uh, if you can if you can do something deeply internal and and complex and interesting and substantial, and have it speak to people who have are not coming from your social niche, yeah. then that that's really the next level thing. That that's what that's what I think we we aspire to because like we can keep go like talking to the same like cool berlini experimental queer art world for the rest of our lives but like mm. i kind of want to talk to other people too and i don't don't want to dilute our work so figuring that figuring out how to this is also part of the tiktok conversation how do you position within this this broader architect cultural architecture of be, having to put work out on platforms even if you're doing music videos it's still going on youtube so you're still working within platform capital where each platform has its own specific built-in interest yeah. in promoting certain content and probably your shit's not going to be part of that um, because if it's more if it's more nuanced than just an ad so trying to find a way to sneak in the the art stuff uh, is always important so anyway doing that stuff getting the vis- bigger visibility stuff is validating but more it was like a flag in the ground like okay we have something visible that people can see we did this fucking thing now I don't have to keep worrying so much about getting our shit stolen and having somebody else credited for that which only matters so much but I don't know it kind of doing virtual production years before unreal ever like recognized as a thing. And then seeing a bunch of like Hollywood people get money when we didn't get any of that cash, like yeah, sucks. Yeah. And I didn't want, I wanted at least a bit of flag in the ground before we moved on and we're in the move on phase. And I got Andy, I'll let you speak for yourself. For me, this is a scary time. I'm not getting likes. I'm not getting views. I'm not getting to that. I'm spending all my money on this thing, but I feel so much more at peace, so much more activated. Uh, Alex on our team, like whenever having conversations with our teammates, like t- working on our own projects, it, is just like so much more engaging. Even the coolest music videos in the world do not engage us in the way that working on our own stuff um, does. So, yeah. I mean, I imagine it's the same for you, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I that's naturally good with anyone. Like, it's your own work, so it's your own child, sure. effectively. It's like you sure. want it to flesh out. And that in that mode, it's it's it is very nice to be able to naturally let ideas flow through. It's definitely still a scary time with like in terms of going back to financing, like. Yeah, like I'm like like Sam's okay. Like I'm pretty much like bottomed out and like just just making mm-hmm. it, which is like you know distracting where you're still trying to like let things let things flow. Because mm-hmm. um, something some developments just take time. Like and that's I'm in in this space for the past six months. It's been nice being able to weave in between things like getting more into live coding and getting back into like live performances with my own work and like what does that mean for my own practice and not wrapped by like these capitalist or consumerist measures or like, you know, like not, not trying to, not having to be, you know, a, a product, it can be something they can just kind of explore and let live. And so it, it is very much like, I don't know, you have that, that scary bit of just being like, you know, when's, when's the next check going to come in from the, like, you know, like there's checks coming in. Like there are, there are like opportunities coming in. Like, so it's not like, you know, uh, all doom and gloom. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just I a balance. It's it. constantly balancing act. Yeah, balance. Yeah. yeah, it's a balancing act. It, it definitely, it definitely pushes you to sharpen your abilities for like mental health 
and like making sure you're able to just focus on the right things and not get lost into some sort of weird projection of failure, like brought to you by capitalism or whatever, or just general anxiety. And yeah, just like being able to yeah be be present with your work and not be distract too distracted by these old mechanisms. But which is like you know you can find solitude with um. Like I, 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 anyone can find solitude, like can find stability where like it's subjective, but like with me, it's like, okay, there's actually still, you know, things are being made, money's, money's still coming in. Like there's still, a, there's, there's still safety that's along with the work that we're doing here at Zero Space, among other places in New York, like they are institutional building, which is going to be slow, but also feels like an incredibly stability. worthwhile long-term. Yeah. And yeah, it's also nice, like having, the help us ability, like having a community come to on a semi-daily basis and like have that, mm-hmm. that community here and be like, and like, yeah, this is like, we're kind of, you know, all working through these things. Well, cause um, we've basically been a, a, like a freelancer studio up until like now we we've had physical studios, different places. We've like, you know, wherever, but like, it's not been, this is the first, like, this is, we have desks, we have we're working on our own projects yeah. like we're 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 building we're building a hopefully like a actual institution and like you know a legacy and like putting down roots here but up until this point the last six years for team office has been like anybody jumping from project to project trying to kind of build some sort of context trying to get them visible and trying to have the next thing come in and having artistic and life goals and things like that and just doing your best but never i mean so often we we finished a big video and, and you, you wake up the next day or like two days later after you've hibernated because you were up, like I, I would like do like a 40 hour marathon or something like that. And then be like, okay, I've got like one, I've got two weeks to coast on this money. And then we have to have something come in. I have no idea what's coming in there. I've not gotten an email yet. There's no project. Like, and I just had to have confidence that that was going to come in or that you were going to be able to figure it out or just start calling people and be like, Hey, do you need to hire somebody for a second? Um, and we got enough of a pace that like something consistently would always be coming in. Um, but it's scary. And that's something I think we're trying to get away from, but that again, we can only get away from after having built up this studio infrastructure of knowing how to do contract shit and, and starting to meet people in the industry who, I don't know, want to invest in us. Mm -hmm. It also, it tires a lot. uh, It, 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 what the fuck was I just trying to say? Um, a, lot, <laughs> good. a lot, a lot of it is based off of what your style is, like what you're trying, what you're putting out there, like what, what, how closely your practice are is already aligned to like other people's interests. Like yeah. my roommate, my roommate recently was like laid off from his job, um, and so he's just like, all right, I'm gonna go back into just freelance, like doing my own thing, gonna you know, get back to my own own artwork over time. And like his stuff has been a lot more like motion design, graphic design, that kind of that kind of stuff. Now like three D design as well. And like he's pretty much like booked out until December now, and then it's gonna like take a few months out, which is like great for him. Like honestly, like it's it's so like nice seeing that like he's being paid well on at rate. But it's like it is important to know like that his practice is a little bit more digestible for these 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 different clients that he's having and it's like they're they're more applicable to these different situations so i think that's also like you know i feel it feels like it goes back to the anxiety of like oh it's like my art like actually important like yes it is but like there's also just like the capitalist fact of like it's an impression of me <laughs> are you trying to do an impression 
I'm always trying to impress you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, no, it's just the uh, fact that like, you know, his, his, his like groceries are paid for because, or like his, his practice, his art practice is like, is already closely aligned to some, something that people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, you know, recognizing that fact of like, okay, yeah, like we do experimental performative art that's channels into video, music videos and then like stage shows and a bunch of other shit. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's like, yeah, it's like saying like, oh, I want to be a stand animator. It's like, look, you're going to, God bless you. You're going to have a rough time. Yeah. 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 Your, your work is necessary. Like, is like, it's, it's a keep up like culture, cultural conversations, but some mm-hmm. sections are just going to have an easier time than others. And that's just, that's just how it is. And like, you just have to have your, your peace with that. Like mm-hmm. knowing that's going to be like a rough time with that. Yeah. And well, the reason why I reached out to you guys is I think that you guys like underlying what you all, what you're all saying right now, it's like, you're, you're, you're fighting for something that you deem is like very important and you're like very passionate about. And I respect that. And I see that within the work and I see that while maybe you're making compromises in this fucking capitalist world, whatever, like I like the ways that you guys are jumping through these hoops. And so I'm like responding to that and I'm like, I just want to put it under a microscope and be like, okay, how are you guys doing this? I like, I guess, um, I mean, what, what, what I'm trying to fight for right now, it's like, I realize, what makes me the most happy in this world and it's like working with my uh, creative friends and um uh like trying to protect that at all costs while also having like creative freedom and all that i think that's like my priority number one and then everything else kind of falls that it like if i can make i i, I guess i'm trying to say like i'm fighting for those things and i'm trying not to compromise for that it's like um so yeah thank you for those yeah. answers really um, yeah, sure. And it's, a, and it's a constant. I mean, you're going to uh, being self-aware, like uh, uh, self-reflective for where you're at, where you find your where, how do you value your own personal? What does your art practice look like? What is the essential yeah. core of that? What is the most what are the parts that are the most important? What are the parts what are the parts can have a little bit more leeway? What is your interest culturally and, and, and community based mm-hmm. and things like that? That's a constant self-diagnosis and re re renegotiation with yourself and you might feel differently for one project versus after and then another these projects change you so you do one and you'll find like there's only so much you can do just writing it in a notebook and being like okay these are the important things i'm going to stick to this you can write you can and should do that and let that guide you but you're going to find out trial by fire as it goes in the moment what actually matters and like Mm -hmm. The fact that we do stage stuff generally sounds kind of crazy, like in a you know in a world where it's probably much easier just to put shit on YouTube. But yeah. for for us, like our our work kind of arises out of a real time thing. Like it feels yeah. more crazy and visceral to do live. Like it's part mm-hmm. of this whole. Anyway, that's very specific to us. And so when I'm telling people when I'm telling people generally about like art practice stuff, it's mostly just identifying where you where you personally are coming from. And trying to like we pick VR, we pick these tech. There's a million tech tools out there. There's a million new things. There's a new new AI thing every fucking day. Yeah, and you can just you can jump on that and like become conversant in it. But like when it comes to creating an art practice that isn't just about novelty and about making tech demos. Yeah, like why are you about, doing this? Yeah, why and like why why, why this goal? <laughs> like, yeah, your mission yeah, statement. Like, 
yeah. kind of just like what's what's really speaking to beyond what are you trying to say and how does the tools yeah. are, how are the tools speak to that on like a base level rather than just like okay i vr's hyped up i guess i got to do a vr thing like yeah. mm-hmm. it should be for a reason and then again that's yeah. not an overnight thing that's a process and they're the, going off the, the reference i usually make is something that i just like this offhand note that i learned during my watercolor practices was like andrew wyeth like basically took his 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 skills that he took from uh working as dad or family business of sign painting and applied that to his paintings mm-hmm. and it's just like oh yeah that makes sense and that also makes sense yeah it's beautiful egg, egg tempura or like these other like these other parts of it and it's like oh yeah that makes sense like okay yeah, like there is there's still parts of your work that are that are valid but <laughs> that are that are like but honestly like there's that you can still incorporate like there's still thing and like sam was gonna say like when you're when your work is with like vr or like this other tech there are still that's it's like there's still a there's an inspiration that you can get from there and be like okay this is what's working this is what does not so like mm-hmm. let's cut out this conversation focus on this because like this is what actually we should we should be talking about or focusing on yeah i mean my, my i think for andy and i both my like especially my personal issue with 99.9 percent digital art out there is that it, it they are completely detached that the content that the thing being made is detached from the tools because the tools are just de facto they're just it's just they're doing it for just to show off this new thing mm-hmm. has not, and i don't think that that work it goes off in the moment like it'll pop pop and do well online in the moment because it's some new thing people haven't seen before but like you go back and look at that shit after like six months nobody cares yeah. because it's not in the moment anymore like it's not mm-hmm. and, and i'll extrapolate that out to sketches and like when i was like doing the kind of comedic satirical stuff you you there's the push to do things that are very in the moment because that's what is going to do well online but like it, so they just don't have that much staying power i feel like so anyway mm-hmm. big broad conversation but yeah. do you think you guys are like achieving this timelessness in a sense i hope so we're i think we're getting it's better, hard better to tell, at it. but yeah we're yeah, it's <laughs> hard that's that's a hard yeah i mean yeah it's there, there's a lot of notes to hit there and yeah especially I guess time will tell basically. I think I'd yeah. like to think that we are hitting it with because we're trying to go for motivations that are rooted in uh, like what's actually there rather than trying to root motivations just being like, oh, it's shiny or like yeah. this is like the latest, latest trend. Yeah. We're trying to keep things like focused on the narrative. And so I would hope that that can be that it's us being aware of the tools and how to communicate things use, properly using the tools lends itself to being. A little bit more timeless and so people can still understand rather than just being mm-hmm. like um it's like oh yeah i recognize that meme from like 20 years ago mm-hmm. yeah. that's weird yeah, that's a little worse i think uh, at least we can wrap up real soon here but i think uh at least for me in my perspective i think timelessness is achieved mostly through authenticity and when people right. can like respond to, like they can see how genuine this uh, like emotional moving pieces. I think it, that's when it has like very good uh, staying power. So I, I, I guess I'm really focusing on uh, being at least authentic to myself and being, and the hope is to be as accessible to people as possible without like confusing that with being mainstream or whatever. Right. 
I mean, yeah. Alex and it's I. Universality to specificity. Yeah, specificity. You can put like these I short. That's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of ending things. Quote, but no. But, Still hit though. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's like terminology we can use for this. It's like, okay, I'm gonna put like a little sugar to put this uh, art thing down their throats, or. Um, uh, Alex and I call it silly sophistication where like, well, like, oh, you're, we're applying comedy in this way, but then there's this underlying complex thing. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think you guys kind of achieved that um, often, really. So, yeah, Thanks. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's hard. I mean, all this stuff yeah, comes from a lot of times when, when I'm doing like talks and stuff it's I, I end up positioning it like kind of blowing off the prompt and being like like talking directly to the uh, like artists in the crowd being like strategies for experimentalists because like it's the hard it's really hard we're pushing against the tide with this like the tide is mm -hmm. not pushing towards any sort of i mean i don't have to tell anybody like <laughs> things that have that are nuanced and have substance and that are very better that are not just like hashtag relatable like bite-sized things obviously are not uh, uh prioritized by out by the algorithm that that does not mean though that it the, the the opposite which is like to be like i don't know i i can say this because i was one like uh like noise boy like uh like underground like ah oh, fuck like yeah i don't even mm -hmm. i don't even show my 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 friends my music i do it in my basement i don't even yeah. I, don't, I unplug i think that's cynical like my speaker <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it is it's an escape it's cope and i challenge all experimentalists yeah. who are interested in all this like you know, crazy stuff, which did end up happening. You know, a lot of that shit is not mainstream, but I don't think that that frees us from the responsibility of spreading that. If it is really important, sub substantial, and not just for you to hear, which if it is, that's totally fine. If it's for other people, it, the challenge is for experimentalists like us to to figure out those dynamics, and that ends up requiring understanding the, the dynamics of social media, understanding the dynamics of yeah. media and promotion, and we you have to know the game to play it. We like in, until we build this like you know, dual power, you know, leftist, uh, anarchist, uh, alternative platform or something like that. Like until mm -hmm. there's an infrastructure to build something else, like we're all forced into this. So, um, being aware of, of the shitty marketing shit, um, to better understand where you can fit in artistically, I just, is pretty ne necessary unless you just get super lucky and we're super lucky and, you know, even still we have to work at it. So, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate guys coming on. Um, yeah, thank you, have, you guys so yeah. much for being here. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, can, I, can I bring out the big guns for the last question? Can I bring out yeah, the sure. huge guns? A lot, uh, lightning uh, round. Uh, I, I I gotta ask you guys. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> I this is a question I, I'm sure you've never been asked before in an interview, ever, and <laughs> probably will never be again. Uh, what's your favorite Family Guy character? Uh, and you have to do an impression. <laughs> and you have to do an impression. <laughs> oh god sam you and you gotta pick and you, there's no there's no take backsies once you say it's cemented in stone this is for uh the future uh, 100 years from now people are gonna listen to this they're gonna they're gonna discover you guys and they're gonna be like i wonder what their favorite family guy characters oh they say it in this podcast i gotta listen i gotta, I gotta know I wish I wish you had said like uh, King of the Hill because I'm from Texas. So we can, yeah. we can do, like a, oh, yeah. do a Hank Hill pretty well. No easy out. Um, Seth MacFarlane demands it. Yeah. <laughs> an email. 
is this like is, is there a vendetta from R- somebody at RISD put out on our heads? Right. <laughs> we were hired. Um, as, as Sam stalls for time, I'm gonna say the sun. I forget what he sounds like. I'm pretty the sure it's sun. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this Brian voting well for the impression. <laughs> I haven't watched Family Guy in like years, but like mm-hmm. he was just like kind of like nasal. Well, I mean, it was Seth Green, like kind of namely. Oh, you mean Chris? Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris. Yeah. Like, yeah, he like Seth Green's like normal, normal voice, and we're just kind of like, no, it's not. That's mm. definitely not it. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I can't hear about hit. it. No, mm-hmm. keep going, keep going, keep going. No, was like, say, say his favorite, his catchphrase. <laughs> his catchphrase. <laughs> you know, Chris's old catchphrase. <laughs> All right, now this is Alex's debate. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. Alex can do a Boston accent. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, God. This uh, this oh, no, sucks. Yeah, this Alex is went, so hard. Alex, they went <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, oh God. Oh God. Um. I literally cannot remember what Chris sounds like, except for like Seth. No, just Seth mm. I can picture it in my mind. I just don't even yeah, want to yeah. attempt at all. Yeah. yeah You're okay. a brave soul. Let's, let's give, give it. It's something like that. It's it's very. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. It, should I? Oh yeah. Uh, wait, did he? Oh, Andy. Okay, he's back. I thought he like faked oh, his wife. No, out. Um, <laughs> oh, I gotta um, go. <laughs> can't, yeah. can't answer this fucking Family Guy question. Hey, right. I gave uh, my answer uh, and I gave my best attempt. Yeah, <laughs> it's up to y'all to accept it. <laughs> A plus. Uh, like, <laughs> Thank you, uh, I'm gonna go down to the crusty point grab and hang out with some brown students. I don't know. Thank you. All right. Hey. Hey. hey that was a pretty solid piece. We'll cast you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've I've never been so diminished. <laughs> All right. That's All right. I think we ended it on a high note. I, yeah. Good. That was rough. Any sort of southern <laughs> yeah. thing, we got down. Okay. We can do it's southern, it's like a northeaster. North I know. Can. Can I do Boston? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're from Florida, well, so it's kind of in there, yeah. but not really. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, God. I'm still reeling from that. It's an emotional experience. I need to go think about my life right now. My life. I really hope that I got like five years off your guys' life right there. Mm, Ten. I, I gotta. I gotta think about no, no, no. about where I am. I have like unfinished business now. It's it extended my life because I'm just spending <laughs> yeah. 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 trying to do that impression <laughs> better. Yes, we, Sam will not stop. He'll be years old. We should have started with this. This is like hot ones where now we're getting you uncomfortable, and now we can get the real fucking answers. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. Well, honestly, you've 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 taken your pound of flesh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have, and I'm 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 pretty satisfied with it. Thank you for the flesh. Yeah, okay. Thank you guys for being here.